Hello guys, welcome to a new episode of the Not The Top 20 podcast, which is where I, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick, talk about the EFL. And this week, this means a couple of things. Of course, the championship was on a break, thanks to internationals, many championship players impacting uh, or making an impact on the Nations League and various international friendlies at international level. Uh, There was a game missing in League One and a game missing in League Two, but we still had 22 games across those two divisions. And that's more or less what we're going to be getting into today, possibly with some championship references throughout. So um, certainly listen to the end if you think your side might be up for team of the week this week. Very, very worthy winners, I think it's fair to say, but no shortage of candidates. We're going to start with a question. Many of you sent in some good questions this week, and we'll try and get to a couple of them. Thanks as ever for your Sunday scouting reports as well, which we enjoyed at NTT20Pod. Gab Sutton of the Football Lab. Gab is a writer that specialises in many things, but thankfully for us, specifically or specialises really in the EFL. Uh, He was at the Shrewsbury-Rochdale game. We'll touch on that later on, but he asked a question and he wanted us to touch on it. Uh, He said, with no championship football this weekend, do you see this weekend's EFL action as a positive endorsement of the quality on offer in League One and League Two? Um, Having watched all the games back, I think it it, it certainly does when you stop and think about the quality on offer compared to perhaps to what we saw 10 years ago, maybe even as recently as five years ago. Um, it's very notable, isn't it, that these are um, divisions now that are just great to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously agree. That's why we're sitting here. Um, I don't know if necessarily... It'd be a really hot take if I, we I, yeah. said no to this. I don't know if the Fleetwood Warsaw game is necessarily, in hindsight, the best advert. Um, <laughs> I told people know, to watch it on the betting the, show. Yeah, which was the, the televised game. Um, the, the nil-nil stalemate but having said that you know a couple of I mean obviously the Luton goal um, that has done the rounds on Twitter mm. is an example of some unbelievable football um, at that level and also I think the unpredictability of both leagues was really on show this weekend where we saw um, teams such as Sunderland and and, and uh, sorry Sunderland dropped points to Wickham uh, Peterborough dropped points to, to a hapless seemingly hapless Bradford team um, seeing teams like Carlisle going to Swindon and winning 4-0 um, people who maybe weren't don't normally look at the league and look at the results or pay much notice to them. Um, I'd have thought would have seen this one. I'm sure it, it upset a few people on their coupons um, when they were dipping mm. into uh, some of the fabs down uh, in League One, League Two. But uh, but as I say, every week, every weekend, there, there are more talking points. The quality of football is fantastic, and uh, and as we saw with a couple of games mentioned there, pretty namely the Peterborough-Bradford one. Um, nothing's ever a given in League 1 and League 2. Yeah, many different systems now, or rather more so than, than perhaps we used to see. Um, it, what's the right word? I suppose some um, impact that uh, foreign players and managers have had and, and also the new crop of British managers, many of whom uh, are cutting their teeth in League 1 and League 2 and, and trying to do things a little bit differently. That's very welcome. I do laugh when people turn their nose up at a perceived lack of quality in these leagues. Um, people perhaps who prefer the Premier League watch more of that and Champions League stuff. I mean, firstly, it, it's it's often very, very high quality. And secondly... I don't think quality of football is why anyone gets into football when they're young. It's certainly not why you choose your team uh, unless you don't have a, a family reason to do so. So quality of football is, is never to start with your um, main reason, I think, for getting into the sport. It's, it's 
well, it's the family ties to a club, it's the team that you support, and then it's the, the spectacle, it's the sport, and of course the competition as well. And that's where these leagues stack up so favourably to the Premier League, because as you've mentioned there, that unpredictability um, equals uh, competitiveness and a level of competition, um, which is what sport's all about. So, And, uh, and also, uh, when we last went on um, the FL Matters on Sky Sports Football two or three or four weeks ago, um, we did a League One, League Two special, and we were told which teams we were going to be discussing at length. And it was amazing looking through, kind of tactically through every single team. I think every team we were told we we're going to go through in League Two, we're playing with three at the back, mm. um, which is just, you know, that, that would never have been the case um, two or three years ago. And it shows, you know, the, the tactical um, advancement, I guess, of those leagues now and, and the technical abilities of these players, they're able to do so. And people will point out that teams in the past have played three at the back but generally there is a difference between these systems that we're seeing with three at the back and, and in the old days yeah, more that, use of inside forwards the wing backs themselves playing uh, a much more important role three at the back back in the day was five at the back really yeah um, you know it was a team it was a defensive system um, it was one that Oxford played for many years well a couple of years under Ian Atkins and it was not pretty oh. um, whereas now you're seeing centre-backs employed who play passing football who are encouraged to play out the back who are encouraged to pull wide um, with centre midfielders dropping in as well so as you say definitely a different kind of, uh, of three at the back now we're seeing in League 1 and League 2 Very notable when you talk about ball playing defenders was the unbelievable strike of O'Connell uh, for Berry on the weekend, who cut in. I mean, they'd already scored two or three fantastic goals, but O'Connell, the centre-back, cut in. Just the quality of the connection with the ball and the technique on it, not something that you expect from a centre-back. Absolutely fantastic. But we'll stop waxing lyrical because it's sounding a bit of a... Um, it's sounding like we're almost sort of PRing ourselves here. Um, and that's not really what we meant. We've got a bit carried away there. But a great question, Gab. Um, we're thrilled to, to talk about that sort of stuff because hopefully it comes through to you guys that we do genuinely love... Uh, talking about these divisions that's why we put some time into it and hopefully that comes across and hopefully our enthusiasm um, rubs off on on many of you guys as well so let us know uh, which games you've seen this season uh, that have been of the highest quality and um, and any thoughts you have on the way that the, 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 the style of play and the quality of play has developed over the last five ten years I know many of you um, which is why we uh, really value your input many of you are weekly match going fans and I think that is another thing that sets us apart, not to talk about the Premier League too much and to slag it off, but the thing that we feel sets you guys apart from the listeners of, of many of the mainstream podcasts is that you guys are going to games, almost all of you, um, day in, day out. If you're not, then you're, you're following from afar using iFollow or whatever. So it's, it's fantastic and it's so noticeable because you can't imagine that the, the hundreds of thousands of people that listen to um, the, the podcasts that focus on football at a higher level can't imagine that they are probably seeing as much in the flesh as you guys. So great stuff. Let's move on to League One, where at the top end, George, there are a, a couple of um, eye-catching results. We'll touch on Sunderland and Peterborough in just a second, who dropped points at home to Wickham and Bradford. I suppose the most impressive team at the top end uh, of the league, Luton Town. You mentioned it there, a, a goal that has been shared widely on social media and understandably so um, 25 30 passes working their opposition Plymouth from from side to side and then James Justin the, the left back getting into the middle of the box and, and tapping home after a, a really good piece of play it wasn't just one eye-catching goal wasn't it this was uh, one of the more dominating performances that we've seen this season yeah I, I think Luton at home that version of Luton is is probably the best team 
that we're seeing at the moment in the league. I know that home Luton. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Pompey away would have something to say about that. Yeah. Barnsley at times Posh would have away. something to say about that as well. But but I do think that just the way that they are so dominant against these teams and the way that they batter them um, and score goals at will, playing playing a, a really confident style of football, it was the same last season in League Two. Um, we've mentioned it countless times that they still seem to drop points where where, where they really are lacking I think early this season you can definitely say that but now they're only four points I think it is off, off top spot um, really trending in the right direction um, fantastic for James Collins to be in the goals as well because mm. he's, he's someone who should score a lot of goals I was surprised to see that I think he's only on five now for the season or is it six or yeah, seven he, he, him and Hilton have, have had injury issues all season one of the things that was notable and another thing that I saw on Twitter shared by a Luton fan was how many of their players that we would recognise as being key first-team players were actually missing from the game. Hilton, George Grant, Sheehan was missing, McCormack as well in midfield. So uh, this is a team clearly with some depth as well. What was notable for me, and we talk about systems and teams playing three at the back with wing-backs, Luton, a four at the back and a diamond in midfield. And in that system, the wing-backs have even more responsibility. They don't have the benefit of a third centre-back to cover them if they're caught out of position. And it's so noticeable, uh, the amount of work that was done by the fullbacks in that game going forward because they are responsible for creating the attacking width. Um, you know, the, the midfield players, the attacking players do drift out wide, but the consistent width comes from the fullbacks. And Stacey especially was fantastic down the right-hand side. So important to their play, the fullbacks. And uh, what's key, of course, is that if you're attacking fullback, is that you're not... Um, able to be exploited because of that um, going the other way that there aren't teams getting in behind and causing issues on the counter-attack didn't seem like Plymouth found a way to do that and that's the same for many teams who have gone to Kenilworth Road this season so what it means is you attack with your fullbacks essentially as wingers four ultimately central midfield players and two strikers as well and uh, as we saw when the interchange is so good um, defences at this level simply can't cope so hugely impressive uh, uh, do we I mean it seems like a silly question because we, we pick them to be very much up there at the start of the season, but you very much have them in, in the automatic promotion contention. Do you think it's probable, possible, likely? I think it's, it's likely they'll be in the shake-up. Um, I don't know if it, you can necessarily say it's likely that they'll be in the, in the two. But, uh, but, you know, my thoughts on other teams up towards the top end of the table means I think there's going to be room for people to get up there. Um, I think we're starting to see Peterborough slide down the table. Um, I think that Portsmouth are very, very good value for being top of the table, but I don't think they're necessarily... Again, we've, we've said it, but I don't think that any of these teams uh, are necessarily uh, what we saw last season in Blackburn and Wigan. Um, this is a league that's very open to uh, to teams to come in and grab it by the scruff of the neck. Uh, Portsmouth and Sunderland have only lost one game each. So you've got to say that they're, they're, they're fairly strong and, and they're deserving of being where they are. But having said that, um, you know, Luton are only, only six points off top spot, only four points off Sunderland. And the way that they are progressing, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll be shocked if they're not in the top four um, come May. Since the start of last season, um, Habi Hatter tweeted us this, in the league, Luton have averaged 2.7 goals at home per game. 85 goals in 32 home games since the start of the 17-18 season. What an absolute treat for Hatter's fans it's been. And uh, Nathan Jones continues to do his reputation no harm and, and rightly so um, it's, it's interesting I mean a quick look at the you know save it for the betting show maybe but a quick look at the, the odds for League One and it's you know it's a bit of a surprise in looking at the table I mean the odds are, are all over the shop you've got Barnsley are just about the favourites now still despite being a few points behind Sunderland next up then Pompey so Pompey still third favourites followed by Luton and then, and then Peterborough you know around about the 25 to 1 mark so wow. despite the fact that P- Peterborough are currently ahead 
of uh, of Luton in the table. Um, bookies very much taking the view that those uh, th- those positions will swap. The bookies aren't buying it. We'll talk about Posh and Sunderland as I mentioned, but let's get to Barnsley because they were big winners as well this weekend. Uh, there was a, a mini slump, I think it's fair to say, for Barnsley, but it's three league wins now without conceding uh, and a, another comfortable win on the weekend. We've had a few questions tweeted in about Barnsley. Um, Sam says, any thoughts on Barnsley turning from free-flowing attacking wins and some losses to grinding out results now? There seems a definite change of mentality that was needed. I wonder whether that is a change of mentality, but also um, teams getting a bit savvier to them. They started the season like a runaway train, um, playing a a way that other teams possibly weren't expecting, but teams have more time to do their homework now. Um, and, and knowing that Barnsley are one of the top teams in the division, I feel like they, like Portsmouth, we've seen with them, teams coming to Fratton Park and frustrating, um, are probably finding ways uh, to counteract them that, for example, Oxford didn't have on opening day when they were absolutely blitzed. Definitely. Um, and you, you kind of get the feeling as well, despite the fact that obviously these clubs are going to be looking at the performances anyway, that, that win against Luton felt a bit, bit of a cat-out-the-bag moment where suddenly everyone could kind of see what they were all about. Mm. Um, understood what Stendhal was all about and then they went and lost the next two games despite being so impressive in that one I think that the key thing here with Barnsley is their defence um, in, in all the numbers they're posting whilst the attacking numbers are decent it's, it's the fact that they barely concede any shots that's really impressive and so conceding five goals in two away games um, against you know, mid-table at best opposition in Charlton and Shrewsbury was not good enough and, and, and was a big concern so I think for them if we're going to ignore the, uh, the checker trade um, but look at the FA Cup, you know, the four games I would say are the, the most competitive games. We, we can ignore the FA I Cup I think we're as well. pretty safe to ignore the checker trade at but, this uh, stage. Yeah, exactly. So the four, the four most competitive games and the four where they're playing their, their key teams, even though the FA Cup game is against a, a poor Notts County team, uh, they, they've won all four of them. They haven't conceded a goal um, and they, they've scored eight of them. So you, you've got to think this is, this is Barnsley back on track. Um, and, and you know, as I said, they're, they're the bookies' favourites again for a reason, and, and that, that mini slump does seem to be over. And it was Kiefer Moore and Tom Bradshaw that we were so excited about to start the season up front with Barnsley. Bradshaw getting the move to Millwall. Could it now be Kiefer Moore and Corley Woodrow that we get excited about? Woodrow um, is getting on the score sheet on the weekend. Nathan tweeting us to say, what do you think about the Moore and Woodrow combo going forward for Barnsley? Do you think Woodrow, Woodrow can, can find or can start to fulfil... Uh, what was undoubted potential, but he's not, he's not really a particularly young player anymore, is he? It feels like he's been around for ages. I mean, it's going to be interesting, interesting to see. You feel like someone like him, who, who's obviously got immense talent. I mean, that, that's never been called into question. Good finish you, on the weekend. Good finish on the weekend. And you look at the moves he's had in his career, so the move to Fulham, um, and, and you know that he's obviously someone, and, and the hype about him when he was first another 21 well. caps, I think, as well. Just, just last year, I think me and you mm. saw him in... Uh, in we did, in, in Poland, Poland yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously with, with his talent, he should be progressing at, at a faster rate than he is now. Um, I, I, I imagine he hasn't pretty hasn't got a, a future at Fulham. Um, but, it, you know, for someone like him to be coming into a club like Barnsley, who are just purring at the moment, uh, with a manager who encourages the football that they play, um, this is a move that should work. And it's interesting it's taken him until November to, to really... Kind of get his foot in the door. I think fitness issues uh, were, were a problem, but also a lot of fans kind of saying four or six weeks ago they've forgotten they even had him in the squad. Um, so to have him now back and, and scoring his first uh, league goal for them should be a massive plus. And you know, Kiefer Moore's proven that he can both play as a lone striker, but he's also a good foil and a good target man as well, as Bradshaw found out. And uh, you know, Tom Bradshaw now I think will be injured for the rest of the season. So mm. uh, yeah, a, a 
a shame for him, but Barnsley looked to have maybe found a, uh, a replacement after a couple of months. Still your pick to win the league, Barnsley? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Good but, stuff. I mean, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm eyeing up Luton uh, and, their, and their run now. Sunderland and Peterborough uh, drew with Wickham and Bradford respectively. And George, looking at the highlights, but also looking at the, uh, the performance data from the weekend, it suggested that both of those sides, Wickham and Bradford, very good value for their points. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think Wickham uh, certainly um, gave them a scare. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I think Sunderland obviously worked uh, once they went one 0 down. Um, probably deserved to get the equaliser, um, but I think that Wickham were good value for their lead um, and kind of showed that this Sunderland team are, are nothing really to be afraid of. And I think that that performance and that result um, it will you know it's burst the bubble. Um, it will give teams going to the stadium of like real belief that they can that they can go there and get something. If you're looking at you know, I know that Sunderland have have had this great run, uh, which is now over. Of course, it's going to be interesting to see how they react, especially to lose that run at home to a team who are going to be staving off relegation this season. Um, but you know, a few teams have uh, you know Oxford, Fleetwood, um, Peterborough, and now Wickham have all come back from the stadium of light mm. with a point. So. Yeah, I mean, there there are weaknesses there, and, and as you say, I mean, Peterborough. I, I don't think I can re- I can remember a team who are, you know in fourth position who who just looks so so frail for it. Even even when they were first and second, do you remember we spoke about how there were fans who were expressing concerns about the style and also the you know what we talk about a lot the performance level more so than just the results, and we spoke about that. Um, and, and and as you say, it doesn't seem to have got a huge amount better in the last few weeks. No, and and the funny thing is that that Darren McAnthony is getting so, you know, irate with with people pointing the performance data at him, and then he tweeted after the weekend saying that it was you know possession stats mean nothing. It's all about shots, and they only had four. Well, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the one to tell you, Darren, but that's exactly what XG data is. It's mm. it's it's just looking at the quality of your shots. So, you know, he he's someone who who obviously defends the club and defends them, his manager. Uh, to the hilt, but but I think that performance, you know, they only posted a number of 0.5 xG with just four shots at home to pretty much unarguably the worst team in the league at home, having been one 0 down after ten minutes. That's appalling. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they can bounce back from that. A couple of Sunderland fans tweeted in with some praise of of Wickham. Well organised, outbattled us for the majority. Uh, Onyedinma impressed me, says Macam G. Uh, Joe said Wickham were great on Yadinma especially so what a loan signing that's proven to be uh, Gareth Ainsworth m- miracles in the transfer market as ever uh, remember they had a very easy last season for half a season he was sensational and now tearing up the championship with QPR on Yadinma uh, just out of favour at Millwall needed some game time Ainsworth the best person to get the best out of him and he's doing fantastically well of course on the Sunderland side Josh Madger with the goal uh, showing his, his predatory instincts again uh, he really is proving time and time again that he, he doesn't need many chances to score he's, he always seems ready and he does have that real instinct it seems to be in the right place at the right time uh, people sniffing around though Reports today, Bristol City apparently keen, possibly Middlesbrough as well, which seems like a strange one. But Brilliant finish for his goal as well. I mean, a great touch Clever. and a great yeah. finish. Um, I, I think I read today that he's you know, not to go back over the... But he hasn't signed a, I don't think he's signed a contract yet, City, so he's up in the summer. Yeah, we're up in the summer. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's where the fears really come from, I believe. But yeah, not to go over all ground, but I think he scored, scored um, 10 goals from 14 shots on target, mm. <laughs> which is absolutely unbelievable. But, uh, but yeah, no, he'd be a huge loss. And, but then... You know, you and I saw one of the few games where they tried to shoehorn Madger and Wyke into the same team. 
Yes. Um, and that didn't work. No. Uh, Majo was very, very quiet indeed. Well, they chucked him out left, didn't, yeah. didn't they? And that and didn't seem to be getting the best he, out of him. He's no winger, um, it's fair to say. So it'll be interesting to see because, I mean, I think Wyke is now back training. So it's not going to be long before we see him starting for them again, which should be a massive boost. But do they need him? So Wickham clearly very impressive. Signs of life, perhaps, for David Hopkins' Bradford side, is it? Is that fair to say? It's, it was obviously a, a great point at, at Peterborough and a game in which they took the lead. I note that O'Connor was the guy who scored again. He has scored almost all of the goals that Bradford have scored under David Hopkins and uh, possibly not ideal given his position as a, a, as a defender or sometimes a defensive midfielder. Clearly great for him to be a, such a threat from set pieces, but... Still not much happening in open play for Bradford. So they're very much rooted to the bottom of the table. I think level with Wimbledon on, on 11 points from 18. Any signs of, of positivity? We haven't said much positive about Bradford this season. I, I think you have to take that as a, as, as a good result. Um, you know, I, I'm not a fan of this Peterborough team at all, but I still look to this as being a, an easy win. I mean, I even I eyed up the, the, the handicap for my own uh, betting purposes and was put off by the short prices. But... Um, I think that's it's definitely got to be got to be a step in the right direction. Um, you know they host Oxford next up in a, in a relegation clash. Um, you, you know Oxford on a, on a seven match unbeaten run, but you know the run's got to end sometime. And um, before a trip to Luton, mm. um, you know that that could be coming back to earth with a with a bump. So um, yeah, it's, it's it's a fantastic fantastic effort and and to, to limit. Peterborough to, to so few opportunities despite taking an early lead is really really impressive what about the team that's rooted to the bottom with Bradford Wimbledon managerless of course at the moment Chris Bassey had his first game as caretaker in charge and it could be his last game as well that loss against Doncaster um, Donny with two fantastic goals I think it's fair to say from Crawford and Rowe from outside the box after Wimbledon had taken the lead with, with, with a really nice bit of forward play as well and a good finish from Pinnock so no luck uh, or rather, no change in luck at all so far uh, at Wimbledon. Could Wally Downs be the man to help change their luck? He's currently well, he was, a strong favourite. Yeah, he was, he was five on this morning um, for the job, which generally, generally suggests there's something there. Um, he's now, I think, two on. So but that's probably on the back of there not being an announcement. Um, I would be pretty amazed if they... I mean, he's obviously a club legend um, from, from yesteryear. Um, he, you know, he's, he's, I think he's a very well-respected coach, um, done a lot of coaching with the likes of you know Steve Koppel, mm. um, who he, I think he had his last job without in the Indian Super League. Uh, it, it seems, I mean, what, what I can't believe if, if it is going to be someone like Downs, is surely when you're when it's kind of an amicable amicable breakup as it was with with Neil Ardley, you, you just do your research before and you you almost just you know you just you just get the man lined up. Mm. Um, and if it is, I cannot believe that Downs was the was was the ideal target. I'm sure they'd have spoken to the name as doing the rounds with most of these jobs, um, and haven't got very far. So uh, it's a good point, that isn't it? Because the, the murmurs about Ardley went, you know, it, it was suggested that he stayed longer than most managers would because of of his status as club legend. So what are they doing in that time if exactly. not? if not at least trying to, to put some sort of shortlist together. I'm not saying they didn't do that, but you're right that it, this doesn't suggest necessarily that that's no, I mean, how I, they went about things. I, I, no matter what, if he is appointed, I will not believe the press release that says that he was the, you know, the, the unanimous choice of the board. Um, but you know, this isn't to say he'd necessarily be a bad appointment. Um, he's just a guy with very little manager, managerial experience, taking on a team who, who are really struggling for confidence, um, and then you know they need a, a quick reaction. So mm. I think it would be very very risky to do it. Very old school Wally Downs, of course, part of the uh, excellent 
Wimbledon era of the late 80s and, and through the 90s as well. Perfect tweeter as well. So if you want to ask him yourself, really? you probably can, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I've got a, um, a good, I think, Wally Downs story that involves myself and Wally Downs that I'm going to tell if Wally Downs is appointed uh, Wimbledon manager. So uh, another reason to, to want that. And in, in Wally's... Um, uh, Twitter bio it says I love all sports especially football it's lucky and boxing getting worse at golf I love going to pictures on my own wow so if you see Wally Downs at the movies tonight go over and ask him if he's getting the AFC Wimbledon job then let us know um, anyway also in League One relegation six pointer really between Bristol Rovers and Scunthorpe it seems extreme to call it that but with with uh, with a real competitiveness down the bottom of League One with the likes of Oxford and, and Plymouth starting to get a little bit better, perhaps. This was a huge game for Scunthorpe and for Bristol Rovers. So for Rovers to get back level in front of their home fans who always seem to, to get an extra 10% out of them compared to, to many other sets of fans across League One and then to, to go down and lose to Scunthorpe, a team that you've not been very impressed with, uh, particularly over the last few weeks, that's a, a really genuinely a desperate result for, for Bristol Rovers and they slide into the relegation zone now uh, and Oxford pop out of it. Yeah, interesting to note again that Scunthorpe's two chances had pretty low XG value. Um, so I'm uh, wondering if they might be a team whose, whose fans I annoy in the coming weeks. But, um, <laughs> but it's a massive result for them, huge. And, and I think after what happened in the Oxford game with that 3-3 draw, um, they had to build upon that. Even if the performance wasn't great, they had to show that that was progress. Uh, so for McCall to get that, that tune out of his team, to get them back, um, and, and firing here, I think, was really, really important. So it's a, it's a you know against a team who was somewhat resurgent as well. So so I think it's a big one for them. Tight one between Oxford and Gillingham. One with a penalty from James Henry. Really um, confusingly bad bit of goalkeeping from the Gillingham goalkeeper Thomas Holy to give away that penalty, uh, and James Henry dispatched into the top corner. So eight unbeaten for Oxford out of the relegation zone. Uh, great to be mentioning them. Uh, with a bit more positivity now and, and it seems like in the last few weeks uh, everyone has, has really knuckled down and, and worked hard and worked well to, to slightly turn things around which sometimes when there's such a horrendous run and there's murmurings about the manager and fans complaining it can be hard to, to summon the the energy, the motivation or just the ability to, to turn things around like that so full credit to Carl Robinson and a lot of the players as well for, for knuckling down Yeah definitely I think the amazing thing has been the, the, the turnaround in terms of, of, of the defence um, Scunthorpe aside this is, a, this is a team now that basically just don't concede goals um, and, and you know the, the run of not conceding from uh, open play is now extraordinarily long mm. um, so the likes of I mean the, the issue is that Curtis Nelson's out of contract next summer and I, and I just cannot see him signing a new contract for a team who aren't knocking on the door a, a bit higher but you know John Massino playing that holding role has been massive um, I'm still concerned about the lack of um, you know firepower up front the reliance on, on wingers to score goals, um, although James Henry hit the post with a fantastic effort as well on Saturday to make it 2-0. Um, Harvey Bradbury came off came off the bench, age 19. Um, nice. He's, he's a big target man. He scored a few goals on Son of, Son of Lee Bradbury, um, who you know, famously uh, took the reins of, of Bournemouth before um, before Eddie Howe took over and the rest is history. Um, but no, yeah, he's someone who, who, you know, he's obviously very raw and he's, he hasn't played much football um, at this level or any football at this level but um, you know he went on loan to Wickham 
sorry to Woking, uh, scored, scored a few goals and a few appearances and came off the bench about half an hour to go and really impressed people. Um, and his physicality seemingly um, belies his years. So that could be uh, another option because at the moment that's still a big issue. But, but you know, if, if you don't concede goals, you're not going to get relegated. Um, and that's the long and short of it. Gillingham showing again real Jekyll and Hyde side, aren't they? It, it appears that when their best players, Parrot and Tom Eves up front, reached the absolute peak of their games then Gillingham play very well and, and tend to win games when they don't and when they are marked out the game or stifled they're finding things really tough they're just one point out of the bottom four now one point outside the bottom four I should say Gillingham they've lost two to nil since those big wins against Bradford and Fleetwood so uh, surprisingly inconsistent I think it's fair to say at the moment this Gillingham side elsewhere big win for Shrewsbury 3-2 against Rochdale in a, a match that really swung back and forth of course, it was uh, Danny Coyne, the caretaker manager um, uh, uh, for Shrewsbury. They also uh, surely quite close to appointing a new boss, but an impressive performance from them under the, the caretaker. Um, Rochdale tactically disjointed, we were told, from Gab Sutton, who was at that game, scored twice due to clinical finishing, but didn't or couldn't sustain their pressure. Into League One now, George M.K. Don's hit top spot. Uh, they got a, a fairly straightforward win to nil against Macclesfield, probably the most predictable result of the weekend, really. 2 0, <clears throat> Anike and Agard. MK Don's hit top spot due to Lincoln um, not playing this weekend. What an incredible turnaround Paul Tisdale has, has managed to implement on that side. Um, this 2 0 win, it's not eye catching because they're beating the worst team in the division, but. It just underlines how professional they are now. Um, they are, they, they've turned themselves into an absolute winning machine, haven't they? I mean, they, they are with an EK and A guard as well in the goals. It's just impossible to see them not being automatically promoted at this stage. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this was really interesting coming into the game because probably slightly under the radar, um, they got beat twice in the cups. Um, so I think when you're, when, you know, when you've been beaten in the FA Cup and knocked out of the FA Cup by Grimsby. Um, as a team who are obviously well fancied going into it, mm. um, and then you lose in the, in the at home to to a kids team, uh, you know Brighton's under twenty one team who are obviously very talented, but at the same time they'd be massive favourites for that game as well going into it, um, and then you're drawing nil nil at home to Macclesfield who you know won one game in about eighteen this season. That, I think that's probably when you find out quite a lot about your players there mm. because that is that's five halves of football where you're coming off second best having gone through a season of being a pretty big fish in the league having gone through a season where you're you know expecting to do well so uh, yeah I would I, I think this is really important um, that they managed to get through that period that they went and got the win they deserves and uh, and you know they're now sitting pretty at the top of the table and, and any any you know poor cup games or, or, or struggling to to get past Macclesfield in that first half has now forgotten and they can go into the rest of the season you know, with massive confidence. Lincoln obviously not in action this weekend. Below those two, there's, it's really bunching up now. Uh, the battle for the third automatic promotion spot and the playoff spots are hugely compact at this stage and part of the reason for that was Newport's win against Colchester this weekend. They hadn't won in four before that um, but they're five points off top, top spot there, the team in third. Dan was at this game, Newport fan, huge win he says. Colchester shaded it in the first half, as I predicted in the uh, betting show, but, but no dice in terms of getting a goal. Second half, Newport were brilliant, came roaring back into the game. Um, Tariq Backinson and Podge Armand, <clears throat> who even ran back to clear one off the line at one point, get nowhere near the credit they deserve and were unreal again. Top seven at least is starting to seem a very 
realistic target. I wanted to talk about Tyreek Backinson. If Dan doesn't feel like he's getting the credit he deserves, then I'll certainly be the one to give him or give it to him. Backinson is on loan at Newport from Bristol City. And a lot of people that follow youth football closely really, really like this guy, Backinson. I remember when he signed in the summer, there was a couple of tweets I saw saying, you know, this kid, if he can really get going... Uh, League 2 should be a bit of a doddle for him. He's uh, probably, just based off the eye test, he must be 6'2", 6'3". He is very good on the ball and um, he appears to have uh, dealt perfectly well with being in the League 2 midfield battle week to week uh, and a touch of class, I think, going forward as well. He impacts the game uh, both in defence and going forward. So Backinson is very much one to watch. I know that Bristol City have a few players out on loan that they are... Um, very, very confident could become a part of their first team squad over the next few years. So uh, I think Bristol City signed Backinson from Luton. So that's where he came through. Another um, <clears throat> product of the Luton Academy, really, but now part of Bristol City's. And, of course, another set-piece goal from Newport, which uh, yeah, something of a calling card. You, you need a glass of water now, don't you, after that? <laughs> I do. Tyreek <laughs> yeah, Backinson makes me thirsty. No, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, I... I think it's unbelievable the, the job that, that Michael Flynn's doing and it's it's no surprise um, given the, the managerial mer- merry-go-round that we're starting to see click into gear that his name is beginning to crop up in a few conversations between fans as well. So. The commentator on uh, the commentator on Quest was it or the or the um, someone I, I heard either on the radio I tell you who it was it was on Soccer Saturday on on Saturday afternoon. Whoever was doing the report for that game, uh, Sky Sports reporter said he'd spoken to Mike Flynn before the game. He made a big point to say the first time he you know, came back to the studio with an update, he said, I spoke to Mike Flynn about the rumours before the game and he made it very clear that he is contracted to Newport. And it was really unconvincing. It was like, <laughs> hold on. Yeah, yeah. It, it made me think that he might really be having his head turned by, yeah. um, by Shrewsbury which is interesting he made it clear that he is employed by the club he manages yeah exactly it Brilliant. was like he's very coy on the speculation but made it clear that he's got a job to do and you're like ooh that's not what you say if you're you know hometown hero yeah. and you're not going anywhere Yeah. so one to watch possibly Berry continued to impress George I mean the game against Stevenage was relatively even I think or Stevenage were frustrating Berry it's fair to say in the first half hour but uh, Curtis Guthrie Really stupid sending off, I think it's fair to say. Stephen Central was at the game, said it turned into men against boys after that. But that doesn't just mean that it was a team beating a team with 10 men um, by doing the bare minimum. Barry, a joy to watch, he says. The th- just the 32 chances kept their heads. Patience exemplary after it was nil-nil. After 60 minutes still. Um, but we saw again that this squad, the technical quality that their players have. I mentioned O'Connell earlier. But Mayer and O'Shea and, and Maynard as well. It's uh, Nicky Adams, of course, too. It's just uh, terrifying stuff for the rest of the league. I think that I know that I seem to flip flop a lot on this, and you might be a bit more consistent, a bit less trigger happy to change your opinions. But I mentioned that it's getting a bit bunched up. Big battle for third spot. I know they're at the bottom of the bunch, but I think they might be the, the best of the lot out of them. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I, I think the, the class three teams in the league right now are MK Dons, Lincoln, and, and Berry. Um, I think that, as mentioned before, Maynard was the missing link. Um, they just needed someone to, to put, put the ball in the back of the net. I think if Maynard was playing out front for Forest Green, I reckon they would not be in 10th position. Um, it's just they create chances at will. They're more than capable at the back. I mean, Ryan Lowe is, is just doing a great, great job there. And um, and there's just, I can't see 
much that's going to stop them and their rise towards the top. And yeah, in my mind, despite the the, the points gap at the moment, um, I know we're probably going to get on to uh, what um, Matthew C just asked mm-hmm. about the table in a second. Definitely. Um, but but you know the fact that Barry are currently in eighth spot does not lead me to believe they're the eighth best team in this league. Right. I, I think um, what's so nice, just watching the highlights back and the celebrations, not just from the players, but the noise at the stadium as well at the moment. And since we've been doing the podcast, Berry have not had a particularly happy few years. And it's really, really cool. And being able to follow these leagues as closely as we do, it's great to see uh, a set of fans um, with a team to be proud of. We've mentioned it uh, a bit this season with the likes of Birmingham at the Championship. Even if it's not winning loads of games and being top of the league just a team to be proud of in terms of effort in terms of quality and confidence on the ball as well it's what all fans want to see and Berry are showing it in spades at the moment it's, it's fantastic to watch and uh, anyone that hasn't seen the highlights of that game Berry Stevenage please do go and watch them because we talked earlier about the quality in League 1 and League 2 there may have been people raising their eyebrows saying you know I watch I watch this every week and let me tell you there's, there's plenty that's low quality and I'm sure there is but go and watch that Berry side because you know it's, it's fantastic stuff um, Crew got a big win against Tranmere who I think another team that I once anointed the third best in the division at one point <laughs> a couple of weeks ago um, uh, and, and, and we had a very disappointed Tranmere fan tweeting us that the tactics were all off Mickey Mellon obviously um, linked with a move away as well I, I, I think I like to think he would stay at Tranmere that's how I feel anyway but we'll, we'll see about that um, most notably for me about Crew is that they of course have such a young team mostly youth academy graduates um, and you have to be patient with them two of their better players are Callum Ainley and, and Charlie Kirk who are both 20, 21 years old um, technical sort of midfield players both can play out wide or, or through the middle really Kirk tends to play out off the left and Ainley through the middle we saw in this game um, in which Ainley scored two and Kirk scored uh, the third goal that these guys on their day can link up brilliantly well can score fantastic goals and can take apart a team like Tranmere who have had such an impressive defensive record all season um, it's just the consistency that these guys are lacking and I'm sure that that's you know, very clear to crew fans because this is a side that's got some good wins this season but it's also lost a lot of games and failed to score in a lot of games so a, a really welcome win for that crew against a good side and fantastic to see their talented players come up big for them let's get into the, the middle and the bottom half of the table and we will uh, answer a, a good question from Matthew that you uh, touched on there um, we'll talk about Forest Green Morecambe Morecambe going to Forest Green, getting the win. Some of the best celebrations I saw all weekend were, were from the Morecambe players, and you could even hear their bench just picked up by the by the camera microphone, uh, going absolutely crazy. And of course, why not? Um, six points clear of the drop now, Morecambe. And uh, Laurie, who's a, a Forest Green fan, says perhaps predictably, final ball lacking for Forest Green, and a prolific striker with good movement is a must in January as his extra squad depth. So we've already promised we're going to do a fun. Uh, um, who are Forest Green going to sign predictions uh, at some point over the next few weeks during December but Morecambe did what they do best said Laurie get bodies behind the ball um, quickly and always look likely on the counter so a perfect perfor- performance from a team near the bottom going to, to one of the better teams it chucked up a question from Matthew and it's a very good question it says Forest Green much loved by the pod continually tipped as promotion candidates their unbeaten home records now gone they're in 10th only separated from Carlisle by a point. How are we feeling about them now? And it's only right that we uh, answer these questions because it's probably fair to say that we didn't mention Forest Green for the last couple of weeks as they haven't been picking up the, the results that 
we had predicted, the results that we had expected. So there you go, George. How are you feeling about them now? Yeah, I still feel pretty good about them, um, to be honest. I, I think they may have been knocked a bit by that Lincoln game um, where they, they, I think, deserved probably on the balance of play to at least take a point. Mm. Um, and they ended up losing 2-1. At, you know the, the stadium that will be I'd have thought the one where the fewest away points are picked up this season I would guess at, Link, at Lincoln yeah seems to be that point about the balance of play again that, that's what exactly, we keep coming yeah. back to but I, so I, are I, they I do, just a prolific striker away I think so I think they are um, I mean the, the Oxford game I couldn't go to but it sounded like it was dire from both sides but they still had the had the lion's share of the chances um, you know they they uh, they had a lot of shots in the, in the Morecambe game went down to a late goal but I do still think that if you create chances at, at the rate that they do playing the football that they do conceding as few goals as they do and, and, and losing as few games as they do I mean I know they've they've now lost two of their last uh, of their last two games in the league but even so I mean there was only one before that um, they, they they are a well well oiled machine mm. just with someone who cannot. Um, they need someone who can put the ball in the back of the net in the 60-yard box, which they just do not have since Christian Deutsch left. And, and that, that's a huge issue. But, you, you know, we're going to find out about these two teams. They'll come up against each other next. Um, it says a lot that Forest Green are, are, are favourites for the match, um, despite the fact it's being played in Car- at Carlisle, um, which just shows you that even despite the, the league table telling you one thing, these two teams are rated very differently, um, where Forest Green would be heavy favourites on a neutral uh, venue. I mean, fair to say, I think we were probably spoiled for choice when it came to our team of the week suggestion, and we're not quite there yet. Um, but another, you know, massive result for uh, for Cheltenham, who, of course, a, a big win from them away from home at Managerless Notts County, um, seeing the fruits, I guess, of, of Mike Duff's work back at the club that he was he played for all those years ago. Absolutely, and and of course, the main feature, uh, the main thing that leapt out when watching this game is is quite how horrendous the defending was from Notts County and that is something that's been a feature of their play all season they, they were awful again Forza Notts tweeted us to say one shot on target against a team who hasn't won in nine conceded three comedy goals new manager has a mountain to climb of course Paul Hurst currently the favourite for the Notts County job fair to say that for him to go from League One playoff final to a championship club back down to a, a League Two relegation battle would represent an unbelievably difficult six months or so but Forza Knott says the wheels have well and truly come off so someone needs to put them back on against some of the worst defending I think I've ever seen from Notts County and you know in fairness it was exploited by Cheltenham with good passing good movement and good finishing uh, essentially from Varney and Barnett and that's something we haven't seen enough of uh, from them and from Cheltenham as a side as a whole this season so those are the sorts of wins that Cheltenham will need if they are to to start moving away from the relegation zone the problem is for them of course that if Notts County can get a manager in that can sort them out at the back. Then there's potential for them to, to also move away from it. Morecambe, we're seeing, picking up wins every now and again. Six points clear relegation. So those relegation candidates, you know, Cheltenham are, uh, are very much one of them. And uh, it, it's not going to be an easy league to... Well, it's not going to be an easy relegation zone to avoid, put it that way, if, if uh, unless they improve markedly. So... Good start for Cheltenham in that sense. See if they can kick on. Uh, Oldham beat Cambridge. That was the end of Cambridge's unbeaten run. Um, They led with an hour gone and then three goals from Oldham. I wanted to touch on two young players that I like a lot playing for Oldham because you know I like tracking the young players in the EFL. Callum Lang's on loan from Wigan. Fantastic for Morecambe last season. He's a a bit of a do-it-all striker, really. Or forward player, can, can pass, can shoot, 
good pace, looks like a real talent. Um, and George Edmund, Edmondson, the centre-back uh, for Oldham, he's been centre-back all season long, of course, relegated to League Two, and they've gone with a, a, you know, a very young centre-back. I think he's 19, 20 years old. He scored uh, from a set-piece on the weekend, but he's a big old boy, or a big young boy, I should say. <laughs> uh, and he's shown... Uh, willingness to battle in League Two and a, a real capacity for it as well. Looks like a fantastic defender. So George Edmondson and Callum Lang, one to keep an eye on, as well as Tyreek Backinson. Let's do the team of the week now, George. And uh, you actually mentioned them in a previous discussion about Forest Green because they're very close to Forest Green in the league and they're up against each other uh, this coming weekend. But let's talk about this weekend that we've just had. Carlisle. 4-0 winners against Swindon in Richie Wellen's first game in charge of Swindon. Two wins on the bounce now with seven goals scored. You're um, struggling to get your head around this Carlisle side. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I just can't believe they're 11th in the league. Um, in, it, I've just got, fully got them in my head as one of the poorer teams in the league. And, and that could still prove could to spend be... spend too much time with your Excel yeah, spreadsheets. The case. Mate. Yeah, maybe. Um, but no, this is an, a fantastic result for them. And, um, you know, it really makes a statement for them going forward that... that the, the struggles and, and the, you know, we saw John Sheridan coming out and, and lambasting his team and the like just so recently that results like this are, are so important to them, especially building on, on the win against Newport. That's seven goals scored in their, in their last two league games uh, with six points collected. That was after uh, a run of games of just one point from four. So um, really impressive. Great goals as well. Um, you know, a shout out for Regan Slater on loan from Sheffield United who, who scored a brace. Uh, two really good finishes. The second goal um, shows some fantastic feet and pace and then a really nice finish into the bottom corner. Um, Lawrence Figueroa again, yet again as ever, uh, nowhere really to be seen making a save, um, which I just think has to be a concern for Swindon going forward and not good for Richie Wellens uh, to get off to a poor start. But I think as, as big results go to make a statement that you know not only as, as Matthew said to us um, you know not only are they are they away from the relegation zone but they're on the on the brink of the playoffs I, I don't know if they can stay there but but this is a big result absolutely and uh, a 13 minute spell that was where, in which they scored four goals so um, they certainly they, they had that big away win the other week at Newport as well late winner so they're certainly a team that competes to the end that sh- has shown a lot of character as well if not always um been the better side in many of their games in fact Will who's a, a Carlisle fan who tweeted us to say we won 4-0 but the game was very even until the first goal Swindon probably the better side so very honest there to say um, that you know in the first 45-50 minutes of the game Swindon the better side Carlisle managing to stay level and then absolutely blitzing them um, two well taken goals by Slater he said Devitt a class act at dead balls but Gillespie man of the match at the back I wanted to mention Devitt it feels like in the last few weeks, some of the better results that Carlisle have had have been very much inspired by Jamie Devitt. And he's a, a League Two midfielder who has been racking up assists and goals for the last few years. And, um, you know, when they picked him up from Morecambe, it was clearly a good signing. Uh, they needed to replace Nicky Adams now at Berry, And Devitt, uh, on his day, is, uh, is one of the best dead ball strikers in League Two um, and a great creator of goals as well. So, uh, fair play to Carlisle. They're our team of the week. A sensational 13-minute uh, spell of four goals at Swindon. And, uh, you know, they'll be thrilled to win the Not the Top 20 team of the week. But this weekend's game against Forest Green will be really, really interesting, as George mentioned. Very close in the table. Not so close uh, in terms of the opinion of the man to my right. So, they'll go head-to-head this weekend. And um, that's really it from us. There's exciting 
things to talk about next Monday for sure. The Championship returns this weekend with the Second City Derby between Aston Villa and Birmingham on Sunday. Feels to me like this is the best iteration of this derby we've had since the two teams have been in the same division uh, for the last, well, this is the third season now. Both sides will feel confident and it should be an absolute cracker. <clears throat> a couple of other good games as well. Leeds against Bristol City, Stoke against QPR, um, Brentford against Middlesbrough late on Saturday as well. So, uh, and Preston Blackburn, of course, I have to mention. So make sure you're around this weekend because uh, there's, there's going to be plenty to enjoy, plenty to focus on. We'll be previewing a lot of that stuff on the betting show on Thursday. Uh, another disappointing week for us, but very much go again, um, as, 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 we, as we always say. And um, yeah, get involved with that on Thursday. Please do share this podcast if you've enjoyed our chat about league one and league two it's always fun when the championship takes a break and we can focus even more so uh, on the other two tiers and uh, yeah if you've enjoyed it do let us know we love hearing from you at ntt20 pod on twitter i think my voice is going to be lost in about 35 seconds so before that happens uh, it's only left for me and george to say goodbye and we'll speak again on thursday